and welcome to the Dog Tales podcast. This morning I'm speaking with a beautiful young woman by the name of Monica Barton. I'm really humbled actually to have the opportunity to speak with Monica. I met Mon down on the beach one day. A friend and I was sitting waiting for coffee and Mon and her gorgeous dog, Bo Bronson, <laughs> and her beautiful partner stepped up to the cafe and I could just feel and see a radiance in Mon that really, it really took my breath away because there's just something very special about young woman. Anyway, they went about their business and a little while later they came up off the beach and I had an opportunity to actually meet Mon and her partner and Bo Bronson. <laughs> and from there we've just had a beautiful conversation and I was really excited to get Mon to come in and have a chat with us today. She's extremely inspirational. So welcome to Hello. the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. It's a lovely introduction. <laughs> well, I'm it's honest. the truth. So Mon, this little fella of yours, little mm. Bo, he's something else. Mm. He, how big do you think he would be? Well, he's only five kilos. Yeah. He's like, he's tiny. Yeah. Um, he's like not a miniature dog, but he's not like a small dog. He's somewhere in between, I would say. And how high are you? What height? I think I'm 165. And how, how tall is your partner? Oh, he's, I kind of come up to his shoulders. So he'd be six. Yeah, six something. Six, two or three. Yeah, yeah. So he's these beautiful, tall people and this tiny little dog mm. and every move you guys made, he knew exactly where you were. Yeah. And he had his eye on you and I just saw this incredible connection you guys had had and I was fascinated to hear about him mm. and what he means to you. Then I learned a whole lot more about you. So yeah. Can you tell us a bit about Yeah, of course. So... Um, actually, interestingly enough, so Bo was my parents' dog when they got, so basically my dad was doing FIFO and mum was alone. Okay. And so mum was like, you know, I want, I want to get another dog. Um, I want some security. And so they got Bo. We've had Jack Russells in the past and we just like, we love them as a family. And I mean, no disrespect to my parents, but they don't have pets the way that my partner and I have pets mm -hmm. in, in the sense of like, you know, it's, it's part of us. It's a living thing. It's like, you know, that's yeah. our world. Mum and dad are more about like protection and safety and having a little bit of a companion. Um, anyway, so I was living away in Byron when they got Bo and then I moved down to Melbourne and three weeks after that, our first lockdown happened and I'd never lived in the city before. I didn't have any friends there. And so it was super isolating. So I was in a little apartment for like nearly two years and quite early on in that in that journey of like isolation, I was like, I, I think I really need Bo. Like yeah. I need him. And every time I'd like visit from Byron, me and him were just like little well, besties. <laughs> and you know, I'd always like like smuggle him onto the couch and mum would be like, Hey mum, I like what he could be here. <laughs> um, so we had this like little like friendship and then yeah, um, essentially like borrowed Bo for COVID and mum and dad had already got a new dog by then and I, Bo and I just like needed each other. Like it was incredible the way that he shifted and changed and became almost a different dog. Yeah. Yeah, we have been best friends ever since. Like he is my shadow. Oh, you can see that. Mm. 
if you move left, <laughs> yeah, he yeah. moves left. Yeah. He'll potter off for a little minute and sit in the sun. But the second any you shift or you move at all, he's so tuned into you. Yeah. It's incredible to watch mm. him. Yeah. He never goes too far. He will he'll go off and then he'll be like, wait, where's mum? Yeah. And then he turn around and like, ah, she's there. <laughs> and he's actually quite the showman, isn't he? Oh yeah. He turns it on. <laughs> he's so friendly. When we were chatting, mm. we were sitting in the sun. And every person that come along stopped to pat him, didn't they? Yeah. It's gorgeous. Incredible. He draws this, like, attention that isn't, like, I mean, he's a dog, so I don't really know his intention behind it, but he's just, he's magnetic. Like, people are just like, oh, my God, you're a dog. Yeah. Mm. And that that's what I saw in him too. It's mm. quite an exquisite energy that he puts off. Yeah. But... I don't think it would be a really good idea for someone to upset you because I think he'd be between you and them. He's only oh, tiny. Yeah. But oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. He would be right there. Yep. <laughs> he would let you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Mon, as we chatted in the sun and, and watched young Bo do his thing, you actually started to tell me about what you do because I sense there's um, an incredible woman <laughs> sitting here with me and and you opened up about what you do could you tell us the listeners yeah what you do for sure um so what I do is uh, I'm an Instagram influencer so I create content how I view that part of my life is essentially having a platform that can create education awareness exposure um, opportunity for myself and other brands or businesses or groups of people, like really anything. I believe that influencers have the responsibility to use their, I mean, they have influence, right? So you, I think, and this is how I hold myself um, accountable on social media is that I have a responsibility to be sharing and like anything from encouraging consumption to sharing information, it needs to be something that is worthwhile and intentional and has purpose behind it. Otherwise, otherwise just manipulative. Yeah. So that's one part. I own a label, which is currently jewelry and moving into clothing. I am a cook. What's your label? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I know I skimmed over that really quickly, didn't I? <laughs> so it's called Sabi the Label. Okay. And that's also, I mean, I sell things, but it is essentially another platform for collaboration and opportunity. So bringing in people from the creative community anywhere in the world to collaborate with Sabi and show their skills and their artistry. And yeah, basically me having a platform to be able to I guess, make money from that and celebrate other people's art forms. So yeah. doing the jewellery because yeah. they're your designs. Yeah. Yeah. Is that something that you've always been, is creative? Well, I have been creative. I never thought that I was going to create jewellery or design jewellery. It's like that's gorgeous, me. by the way. Thank you. <laughs> it's never been, yeah, in my, I guess, realm I was a writer and I guess I still am, but I don't really channel that part of my creativity much anymore unless it's in my journal. Okay. So what did mm. you, have you, what have you written? Yes. So I published a poetry book, maybe, I always forget, it was when I was living in Byron, maybe like five years ago, but I was like that point in my life, I was in like deep in hospitality. I was, you know, venue managing cafes 
And I was just like writing, writing, writing like journals full of poetry. And my mum, like who's my biggest fan, shout out to my mum. Um, <laughs> What's your mum's name? Morella. Morella. She's beautiful. Hello, Morella. <laughs> Thank you for allowing me time with your gorgeous daughter. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> She's the best. Um, my mum was like, you know, always in my corner, like, go do something of these poems, go do something. And I was like, yeah, but like what? Like I've got no other skills other than like being in hospitality. That was my belief system then. And um, and then I just did it and I was like, maybe I should just try. So, yeah, I self-published and then that was like a really fun way to be part of the community up there in Byron as well. I kind of saw everyone come together and support me in that and everyone was kind of like, wait, wait, like you make my coffee. Like I didn't know you wrote, so that was cool. Um, and then, yeah, from there that kind of led me into – I did a lot of commission work for, like, publications and magazines and stuff up there. I just did, like, creative writing. Wow. And then um, – This is a sneaky little thing we didn't chat about. <laughs> yeah. I know. I'm, like, I kind of keep, like, losing tab on what I've done. But, yeah, I wrote a lot for magazines, which was great. I had, like, um, monthly columns, which was awesome. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah, it was, it was a great part of my life. Mom, how old are you just at um, – I'm, I'm 27. 27. And this yeah. was five years ago? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Talk about initiative. Man. <laughs> She's busy. Wow. How cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so writing was like my main part of creativity, I guess. And then now I've moved into jewellery and clothing design and also cooking as a way to create and express. And I think that's come through from like my marketing days, which came from my writing, actually. A brand picked up kind of my creativity and my skills set and they just saw an opportunity to help me grow and I just like basically developed into a marketing coordinator so that has set me up into being like okay I've got the skills of like how to essentially launch a brand the only thing I needed to learn was how to design and and source manufacturers and stuff like so just in your spare time just (laughs) you know (laughs) tell me about your your cooking and influence as your mum been influencing your cooking well it's actually really interesting my cooking everyone always asks every time I have like a dinner party people like where did you learn to cook I believe that there's something like really deeply rooted in my my ancestry or something and I know that if I went back to Mauritius I'd be I'd like unlock a lot of stuff but I grew up with like real Aussie, just like meat and veg, you know, no spices, no herbs, (laughs) nothing fancy, just kind of what you needed. And I believe that a lot of that was from, you know, my, my mom and her family migrating when they were young and, you know, this black French speaking family in a very white Australian community. And that just naturally progressing into, you know, please white, marry white, be white. Mm -hmm. And so I think my mom really lost connection with a lot of her roots through that. So I wasn't really ever exposed to chili or yeah. whatever. Only sometimes when I'd go to my, my grandmother's house, she would make like Mauritian curries. But um, I, I actually developed all my cooking skills from being in hospitality. So working really closely with chefs, understanding flavours, watching them cook, having to like write menus with them. So I had to understand the food, understand like the story behind it and just like watching like, I was just so fascinated by it. Mm. Okay, so where has that led you? Yeah, so cooking is just like a spare time thing and then it developed into I started realising that 
I like my full love language, like my heart would just be so full when I was cooking for a group of people. I started like, you know, because I lived alone in chapters of my life and I'd be cooking and I would create these elaborate meals for like one person (laughs) and I'd sit down and be like, okay, but I'm not sharing it with anyone. Like this is great. But I just started like inviting people over and just being like, I'll cook all good. And it was, it's like the most, most cathartic practice for me because I'm just there with the food. It's so intuitive. It's visceral. I'm touching, I'm tasting, I'm smelling everything in that process is like enjoyment for me mm-hmm. whereas like my partner's like I can cook but like I don't want to yeah you know do I have to cook tea yeah yeah he's like oh no I can do it for you but like oh basically then where that led me to was kind of combining my feminism and like my activist self that I do a lot of work on on social media and then bringing that into food because there's still this like gender role, not so much anymore, but it still exists that, you know, women are in the kitchen. Yeah. And I wanted to speak to my audience to be like, you know, it's not my role, it's my passion to be yeah. here. Okay. And so mixing that with, I guess, like nudity and the free form and just being really open with, I guess, those two different ends of the spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. And you have a platform for that now? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so I've got um, an Instagram page called Naked Hungry. I also do catering events through that. Oh, Um, do you just? Yeah. yeah. So that's in your other little bit of spare time? Yeah, my other spare time, my other life. Yeah, so I'm, I'm I'm really quite selective about that because I don't want that to be, I don't want Naked Hungry to be like money driven because I want to keep it as passion. And I want it to be really intentional. So, like, the people that I'm cooking for or the the event or the brand or whatever needs to be really aligned with my values. That's just a whole nother game of fun for me. You know, someone giving me a brief and being like, these are the colours, this is the food, you know, I've got vegans, we've got gluten-free, blah, 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 blah. And I basically do a set design as well for the event. So I'll do flowers and candles and the whole thing. And that's just so much fun for me. <laughs> Is there any part of this you can't do? <laughs> oh, goodness me. So, wow. yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. So maybe a cookbook? Yes. yes. Yeah. So it's slowly, slowly, slowly. I'm working on a cookbook which is not a traditional cookbook, which is kind of why I want to do it. It's like obviously I'm putting so much on my plate, but it <laughs> literally. The, yeah, literally, <laughs> literally. <laughs> The cookbook is really exciting. So I basically got banned from Instagram when I first opened Naked Hungry because apparently I was a threat to the community. Sure. Um, I was not showing any part of my body. Like everything was covered with food. It was very, like, I think beautiful and, and tasteful. I have restarted a new Instagram for Naked Hungry, which doesn't show any of my body. So the recipe book is going to be a mix between like a coffee table book. My friend is a photographer and he'll basically take photos of me with the food. But the the way that the recipe book it will work is uh, very non-conventional. So it's mm-hmm. going to be a mix between zero waste, like a way to cook with zero waste and also create these beautiful recipes. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God, so cool. Mm. In 27 years, you've packed in a massive amount of... I know. Creation and all sorts. You haven't spoken yet about your modelling either. Oh, yeah. Oh, that. Oh, that's <laughs> little thing that I do. Yeah, yeah. I've actually got to shoot tomorrow. 
Yes. So yeah. um, locally or yeah, in Bowen Heads. Yeah, it's great because it's at five thirty in the morning. So modeling is a very, very I feel small part of my life just because it's not anything I push to do. It kind of slowly came into my life, and um, I've never wanted to be in that industry badly enough to try and like make it my full-time job yeah I was approached by a modeling agency a couple years ago and I just basically put my my foot down I guess with like what I want from being in the industry and yeah they give me full autonomy over what jobs I take and what jobs I don't take and it's just a great bit of income whenever I want to take a job because I can imagine that would be fairly ruthless if you were dived in deep in there Mm. To be honest, like the only reason that I do it now is because the industry is so different. It's actually, I think, so much better. It's I never feel uncomfortable before a shoot. Basically, the the way that modelling and brands work now is if you're not inclusive, if you're not showing, if you're not representing everyone, then you're going to get left behind. Yeah. So, you know, like back in the day when, you know, my mum or people used to say, oh, you should be a model, but it's like, well, you've got tattoos, you're too short, and, you know, this X, Y, Z. Yeah. Now it's like, great, like, we want you. You, because you're so exquisite. <laughs> <laughs> that's Yeah, because you're you. Yeah, yeah. And so that's why I have no issues with it anymore. I, I said, actually said to my agency, I was like, look, I'm not going to change anything. If you ever want to, like, if you ever – expect me to change something, I'm not going to do it. If a client wants to book me as I am, then the client wants to book me as I am. Mm-hmm. And they completely support that. That's their whole business model, really. So, like, I never have to ask them to change my hair colour or ask them to do this or this. Like, last week, I bit, not last week, last month I bleached my eyebrows and I was mm-hmm. just like, why not? Bit of fun. And they were like, cool, no worries. And then I dyed them back and I can just be who I am and be able to um, model, which is great. You model around Australia. Do you go overseas as well? Yeah, mostly in Australia. But when I do go overseas, yeah, my, my agencies can hook me up. I feel so grateful every time I'm on a job because, you know, it's like quite liberating, you know, when you're getting flown around Australia and, you know, they look after you really well. Well, in my experience, they do. You know, you, you're fed, you're watered, you're, you've got a place to stay. And do you think that's because you put strong boundaries in place about how you want to be? Yes and no. I think the standard is just is is that like because essentially like if you think about it, if you take like the person out of the model, the model is essentially going to make this brand X amount of money. Yeah. Right. Okay. It's like a museum getting like a big statue. It's like all right, we know that everyone's going to come to the museum to see it, and it's going to bring all this revenue in. We want to treat the statue with so much care. Yeah. And so it's like this. I I guess this thing. Well, it's like. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's really interesting. I think there's a lot of stigma around modelling still and, like, how a lot of people, also influencing people, really flip it off as, like, oh, it's, like, so easy. It's such a cop-out. They earn so much money and it's so easy. It's, like, yeah, but it's still our time. Like, modelling is a very physical thing as well. Like, you're standing up maybe sometimes 10, 10 hours in a day and you're posing and you're modelling you're doing this and you're also acting to be in this brand's, I guess, identity you you kind of deserve to get treated properly. Yeah. Mm. It's so nice to hear that mm. because it's probably one of the industries where, you know, especially young women mm. potentially have not been treated that well in the past. Yeah. So to actually mm. hear this is, yeah, it's really good. Yeah. 
So, Mon, what do you do for fun? <laughs> well, the well, I I surf. Mm-hmm. I get so much enjoyment out of walking, Bo, every day. Yeah. Like, but the what's what not to what? love there. Yeah. <laughs> like watching him just be him. I'm like, oh my god, cooking is one of my biggest hobbies. Yeah. Dancing. So I I used to be a dancer, and like I just love it. Like okay. love dancing. What? What kind of dancing? Well, me and my partner do salsa every oh, Wednesday night. Of course you do. <laughs> oh, my God, of course you do. <laughs> We're very proactive in our relationship. It's in your blood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, salsa every Wednesday night in Geelong, which is really fun. But we go to a lot of, like, doofs and festivals where it's, like, very, like, music and dance driven. It's very primal for me yeah. getting back into that space of just, like, connecting with your body and and just l- allowing it to move however it wants to move. Mm. How awesome. Yeah. And I believe you're organising a community event, a non-for-profit, yeah. here yeah. in Torquay. Yes. Can yeah. you just it's a little low down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. Um, my plate is now a grazing yeah. board. <laughs> <laughs> and I can see there's a few bits falling off it. Yeah. 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 My gorgeous friend Zoe, who used to be my dance teacher many moons ago. Yeah, she's my soul you know those people you meet me like you you're my person yeah i do yeah. <laughs> she's like a bow in human form <laughs> <laughs> so she's just finished her yoga teacher training and we um we were just like hanging out at her her house one night and we just always just talking we're just like big ideas you know flying around everywhere and i have this thing with myself now that like i don't bring anything to the table that I don't feel like I have the capacity to achieve. So, like, I don't want to just keep talking about shit anymore. I want to do it. Yeah. So we were just, like, jamming into it. She's like, you know, I really want to use my – I've always felt like I want to use my space. I think I'm, like, I'm just going to offer some friends, like, to do yoga here well because I've just done my yoga teacher training. I was like, well, why don't we make it, like, an event? I think I've got this natural ability to to pull people from – the community and like network and be like okay like everyone can come here and then we can all do it together yeah so basically zoe will be on like movement she's also a um a movement coach so it can be anything from yoga to movement to really anything mm-hmm. our friend dylan who is an incredible like acoustic guitar man oh, wow. will be on live music as we do yoga and then I will be cooking a feast at the end of every event. So it'll be a donation-based, come as you are, you don't have to bring anything, we'll have mats provided. You'll do an hour of movement, which will mainly be yoga, and then you'll have food at the end and everyone can have a chance to connect and, and talk or not. They can. You'll also have the option to take your food away if you want. Wow. And mm. that's coming up yeah. in... Next month. Next month, which will be December. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The end of November. Yeah. So stay tuned. So a couple events you're going to do? Well, we want to do it weekly. Oh, goodness me. Yes. So we're going to do, you know, the first couple of weeks, see how it fits into our life. We're also going to just be very transparent and have our own boundaries where, you know, we'll every week leading up to the, the Tuesday night, it'll be on a Tuesday night. We will, like, let everyone know, um, you know, what, what will be on the menu and who's going to be taking the movement and what crystal will be there and all that kind of stuff. But we have told each other that if there's one week it doesn't, it's not feeling right or we just don't have the capacity, we're just going to not do it. But, yeah, we want to do it weekly. We just want 
to create a space and a place for people to come that isn't like, you know, ultra spiritual or whatever. It doesn't feel really exclusive. It's just like come, move, eat, connect, leave. Have you found, and and look, you mentioned this at the start, how important Bo was for you being locked in a unit, basically Mm. on your own in Melbourne for those Mm. two years. Is that something that sits behind wanting to bring community back together and connecting people again after that sense of isolation? Um, I mean, I, yeah, I think so, I guess. Yeah, I think, well, actually, hugely. So Zoe, who um, is the movement um, queen, <laughs> she, she, she actually went through a really hard time in lockdown because um, she decided not to get the vaccine and her no. whole world was turned upside down because she wasn't allowed to do what is her deep passion, which is movement. Yeah. And so she had to all of a sudden create a new life. Anyway, so this is like really this kind of space is to honour her and and create a space where like everyone feels seen and welcome. And I think from COVID there was such a big divide and no one really knew what to do. There was like fear behind the people that were pro-vax and there was anger behind the people that were anti-vax and it was like no like – Everyone wanted to blame someone, but really, like, I feel the government was creating that divide, but we didn't understand that. We didn't have any tools to bring each other back together. And ultimately, that's what Zoe and I want to create. Yeah. Mm. And I think, and I've always, coming from a background in nursing and paramedicine, it was never my place to judge my patients on their decision-making. And I feel very strongly through these last few years, there's been so much judgment about what people have made choices on and we don't ever know where someone's coming from. It doesn't matter what choice they make on any subject. We don't know where they're coming from and why they've made that. Yeah. So I think compassion and understanding towards each other is so vital Mm. because everyone needs to do what they need to do for themselves and their family. And to just be able to to be in the same space with someone and say, I may not understand the choice you've made, but I accept it. Yeah. And and to come together in that. Yeah. And I think that's really important. And, you know, one of the things that really attracts me about watching dogs and their owners is there's no separation there. There's no judgment. Mm-hmm. It's just acceptance. And I love that. I just love that. So, yeah. You know, that kind of sits in the background of the, this podcast especially because they're unconditional. Yeah. They love us. Yeah. And put up with our rot, but, you know, they <laughs> love us. No, 100%. I think, like, owning a dog has taught me so much. One, I, I've always been a very kind, thoughtful person, but you, you're constantly thinking about someone or something else and making sure, being like, okay, you don't have to revolve your life around your pet, but just being aware of something else and bringing it into your life and being like, okay, cool, and and understanding there's, like, such a reward system in, um, like, selflessness and being aware of other people, of other things, and also just, like, that, that deep love. Like, yeah. it's crazy. <laughs> like, I look at Tom and I say to him, like, I can't describe my love for you. The love that I have with Bo is a whole nother indescribable <laughs> love. Like that's and, – and he gets it too with his dog. We feel that we're like a family unit but respectively we have 
our own connections with our dogs. I think it's made me a much kinder, compassionate person. Yeah, wow. Because, okay. like you were saying, the not the non-judgment, like you know, he'll like sometimes it takes a shit on the carpet, and I'm like, oh, dude. Why? But then I look at you, I'm like, you're so cute. Like I love you, and you just shut on my carpet. If Tom did that, I'd be pissed. He, he's out. <laughs> yeah, never. <laughs> like, why? Yeah. like why? You know. <laughs> I'd probably be like, okay, babe, we need to talk about this. There's an issue. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, they're so funny. What they get up to. Mm. One of the other things that we, when we first chatted, we just sort of touched on, and that is it's really difficult, I think, when you're younger and you have so much inspiration and vision. Mm. And sometimes when you are creative, the entrepreneurial, skills that you do from a very young age did you find that difficult even just growing up sometimes it's like people don't understand you or Mm. you get judged quite heavily because they don't get you did you find that yeah I always felt a little bit stuck in the sense of like had all these grand plans but I didn't really know how to execute them I also you know it's taken me a long time to realize that I needed to unlearn my belief system around uh, creating a life that you want instead of being stuck in a hustle and working for other people and also my relationship around money. And that really comes from the example that I saw growing up, which were my parents. Um, and they've got their own journey. There's, that's nothing from, from my end of like a disrespect. It's more like I now acknowledge that the only way that I am where I am today is because I've, I've made a new belief system for myself but when I was young I actually dropped out of high school and I studied hair and makeup artistry and then I opened my first business when I was 17 (laughs) (laughs) of course you did (laughs) (laughs) so I was a mobile hair and makeup artist really and then when I turned 18 to have my license I could drive anywhere my mum when I was like when I wasn't driving she would drive me up to Melbourne and do shoots it was great she was such a an amazing support and then yeah I was in that industry for a while and um you know I still got bullied there were people from high school who I was no longer in high school with really wanted to like take me down and and make fun of my success I guess or just the fact that I was doing something other than being in school or being uni or something and that like really sadly kind of drew me away from that and I also I think I was very young and naive to be in such a cosmetic industry Mm -hmm. I was super insecure and and I think being in the beauty realm was not healthy for me so I I got out of that um, pretty quickly but I guess that was a form of creativity as well and I think sometimes when we have those experiences, we may not know what we want, mm. but we now know what we don't want. And I think they're just as valuable as if that had been a booming thing that you want to stay in forever. Yep. Obviously, you learned a lot about the industry and yourself mm. through that experience. And I think that's really valuable. Yeah, 100%. Because that's where you start to be able to sort your belief systems out when you get a bit older. It's like, mm, no, yeah, that one doesn't serve me anymore. Uh-huh. And I learned from that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like, now in my life it's actually really interesting. Obviously everything serves a purpose, but now it's, like, everything that's happened in my life is starting to, like, be each little piece of the puzzle. Like, now that I own a brand, it's like, okay, so, you know, I've I've been a stylist before, I've been a photographer before, I've been a makeup artist, I've been the model. 
and now I'm the client. It's like I know every single side of how this comes together. And so all those little parts of my life where I've like done this and done that and had that job, it's now all coming together where I can like stand back and be like, oh, like I have the capability to do all this, but I don't have to. And but I know how it all works. Yeah. So it's really interesting. It's seriously like an apprenticeship mm. till you get to, you know, mid 50s. It's all an apprenticeship. It all yeah. comes together. And Everything that you do comes into that melting pot in the middle to make that incredible stew or soup that you're making in life. All those components. It's kind of like a tapestry, I reckon, one stitch at a time. And each stitch that we've done through our lives is just as important as the other stitches because that's what makes the colour. 100%. Yeah. And you're only 27. Oh, my (laughs) God. I can't wait to think what you might be up to in 12 months or two years. What what have you got planned? Got yes, any new so, ventures on the boil? Yeah, so my clothing collection's coming out, which is, like, huge because I never, ever thought that I'd be doing that either. And that's just been – that's a really big step for me because kind of like some – like a friend who sees me cooking will be like, how did you make that? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it's so easy. I just do this and you do that. And I see my friends who have clothing uh, labels and I'm like, how – like, where did you – how do you start? And – now I'm there and I kind yeah. of am self-taught and that's like a really cool process of like having a like going from an actual idea to then actually completing it and doing it and all the steps that it takes in between and getting to the end of being like I can do that I can do anything yeah so that's a really exciting little venture that's coming up the community event which will be called home space is exciting I can't wait for that what else I don't know, just lots of Sabi stuff, I guess. I'm just continuing with designs and collaborations. I've got two separate artist collabs coming up from two women in the US, oh, which is really exciting. Oh, exciting, mm. yeah. So one's a glass blower and then one's a metal worker. The world's your oyster. And I know that's a cliche, but it actually is. And you just said before, you can do anything. Mm. Absolutely can do anything Mm. and it's about that mindset and that belief system yeah that we can sometimes you just have to pull those beliefs up and go hmm not sure if this serves me anymore am I game enough to look at this closely and then if I am game enough to look at it and decide it's not for me can I find a way and go for it and it's really important I think that we continually do that because the minute you shift something like that then all of a sudden this new thing comes and yeah. 12 months ago, I never thought I'd ever do that. <laughs> yeah. You know, even the podcast, for me, I never thought I would I always love people and mm. love speaking to people. And so now just to be speaking to the most incredible people, it just gives me so much joy. But belief system-wise, five years ago, I probably didn't think I could do it. Yeah. But it opens doors to the meeting and learning heaps. Of- so before we wrap this up, Mom, Young Bo... Mm. Where would you be with that? How would have these last years gone, like even to now? Well, to be honest, to get um, pretty deep, I uh, in COVID, I went through a really dark phase, where, which I think a lot of people did. But I ended up having to be quite heavily medicated for uh, depression and, and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And... Honestly, like I think without having Bo, I wouldn't have left my house. I wouldn't have got up out of bed to feed him. I wouldn't have 
you know, like it was like he was there to be like, no, you can do this. Like, come on, like you can do this. And he'd jump out of bed and he'd be sitting in my door like, come on, mum. And there were days where I didn't get out of bed and walk him and I felt so guilty. But just having him there to remind me that like every day is worth getting out of bed and being outside and being in nature and like, you know, also just like you go to the dog park yeah. and you have so many conversations with people, yeah. you know, and I would be there in, like being my little shell being like, oh, I'm too anxious, blah, blah, and someone would come up and be like, oh, your dog's so cute. And all of a sudden I had to be in conversation and it would just bring me back to myself and I would leave him be like, oh, I feel that was such a nice conversation. I would never have had a conversation with that man if he didn't have a dog or if I didn't have a dog. Yeah, mm. so powerful. That's mm. that connection between mm. They just come along, you pat them, hi, hi, I'm the owner. Next thing you're having that conversation with someone. Yeah. And it might actually be the only conversation that some person will have for the day. Yes. It it was for me. Yeah. Like because in Melbourne we were only allowed to leave our house one hour a day. That was it. And couldn't leave five kilometres outside of your suburb. And I, when I moved to, to Collingwood, I didn't have a park. Yeah. Which was really hard. I didn't have a park within five kilometres. And then I was in Brunswick and just being back at a dog park and, like, even, even like, on the beach, it's taught me to, like, look up and smile at people, you know, like smile at a dog owner, say good morning, like just open that connection because you don't know when someone needs it. That one smile, you never know what's going on for that person. Yeah. And that one smile, excuse me, or that hello could just be the thing that, Sends their day in a vastly different direction. Yeah. So really quickly, if you could tell both and you oh. knew that he could hear you. Oh, God, I'm getting emotional. What would you tell him? And tears are okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I just, like, want to thank you. Like, he, I know that he knows me and he is probably the only one in my life that I have felt like constant love with no judgment and he is always there. I never feel like he's going to leave me and that's like really big because I've had a lot of that in my life. I've had a lot of abandonment and like I just know that he'll never leave. Well, I can tell you by just watching him when you're around him he's (laughs) not going Anywhere. <laughs> I call him my Velcro dog. <laughs> <laughs> He's such a gorgeous, gorgeous soul. And so are you, Mon. <laughs> Thank you. Look, I really appreciate that we could chat today because mm. I think you've got a beautiful story. You know, you've been through the hard yards and you've just kept your vision moving forward, your little man by your side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're just doing most incredible stuff and you believe Thank in you. yourself and you believe in your vision. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm honoured to be here. and Thank you for opening up a, a conversation between us that day at the beach. It was like I remember leaving, getting the car and being like, Tom, you'll never believe who I just met on the beach. <laughs> and it was it's so nice. Like that's the thing, like pets and you yeah. can really just bring connection. Yeah, and mm. that's what's happened. So it's yeah. pretty damn cool. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Mum.